You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. So all this month, the month of June, we are focusing on on Paul's encouragement in Philippians chapter 4 to be anxious for nothing, anxious for nothing, not to carry our worries and concerns, but to bring them to God, to to develop a, a, a spiritual habit, a regular discipline of bringing these cares to God, because we know we we live in a world just wrought with. Uh, tangible anxiety. It definitely bespeaks of our culture and the whole atmosphere of our world. Now, some people have interpreted uh, Paul's words to not be anxious for anything, be anxious for nothing. Uh, some have interpreted it to mean and to say we need to suppress our anxiety. That's the that's the sort of. Uh, you know, that's uh, one way of dealing with it. That's one way that people interpret it, to push it down, to maybe ignore it, uh, or even deny that it's there, that there's something in that that is, uh, you know, a, a good way for us to be anxious for nothing. But let me just say this, nowhere, nowhere in God's word does he call us to live in denial, okay? Can we agree on that? Nowhere does he call us to live in a state of denial. In fact, I was reminded this week as I was thinking about this of, of David's prayer of repentance in Psalm 51. And he prays this. He, he prays to the Lord acknowledging that God desires truth in the inmost parts. And in the hidden part, God makes us to know wisdom, how to live our best life, live the best life that God has for us, uh, a life of his wisdom. So God wants authenticity. He wants truth to the core. Uh, he, He doesn't need us to live in a pretend world or live in a world of denial. Several weeks ago, I sat down and I compiled a list of eight different deaths that, that have occurred since just the beginning of this year that were either in our church or closely connected to our church family. Um, some of the deaths were among personal friends of Mary Margaret and, and me. Um, and then uh, also I had my dad's youngest uh, brother pass away. Um, my, my dad's younger brother had been in poor health for a lot of his life because of poor choices that he had made uh, really throughout his life. And um, and, and they caught up with him. I did have a chance to go and pray with him in the hospital the week before he passed away. And it was the first time I had seen him in many, many, many years. We were not close. Uh, but uh, when I found out that he passed away, I was, I was genuinely sad for his family. I was sad for his wife, his kids. I was sad for my dad because my dad uh, is the oldest in his family and he had always desired a closer relationship with his younger brother, but it had never really transpired. He tried to help him. He tried to be close to him. It, it, just, didn't, it just didn't work. Um, and, um, and I was sad for the fact that his was just a life that I knew he had not lived uh, in, to the fullest in terms of what God had for him. It certainly was not all that it, it could have been. And as I'm thinking about this and I'm processing this news, I'm praying for my uncle's family. I'm praying for my dad. And, and I start 
thinking about something I hadn't thought about for a very, very, very long time. And to be honest with you, I don't know that I've ever had ever really put all these thoughts together in this context. But as a very young child, my first exposure to drunkenness, just blatant drunkenness, was, was because of my uncle. Um, he lived next door to my grandparents, and I would often stay with them. And sometimes when my uncle had too much to drink, it would result in just, just really bad stuff. Um, arguments with his wife. Uh, sometimes those arguments would spill over to my grandparents, his parents. Uh, and even as a child, I remembered that tension. I remembered the ugh in my gut, even as a little kid, just thinking, this is not good. I don't like this and just the repercussions of that atmosphere for not just me, but also for my entire families. And, and unfortunately, there were times that the verbal and the emotional abuse uh, became even more intense and turned into physical abuse, and law enforcement had to be called. And as a little bitty kid, I was exposed to this. And um, I, as I said before, I really had not thought about this uh, if ever, but definitely not in decades. I mean, just I, I just didn't. I really probably have seen this guy maybe three times in the last 15 years. Just not close, not really in my life. But, um, but, but the news of his death brought all that to mind, just like in a, just in a sweeping moment. I, I remember it was a Saturday morning when my dad called to let me know this. And in the midst of my very sincere sadness for his family, for my dad, and just what wasn't that could have been, I got to tell you, I felt a sense of relief. Is that sick? No, I, I, it, it just, it was, it's like, okay, I feel relief. He wasn't in my life, but I just, for the first time ever, realized the anxiety that maybe I had suppressed that was there to, to just affect really the way I have felt from that day forward regarding anybody who's in a drunken state around me. I don't care if they're the fun laughing drunk or if they're the abusive drunk. I just, I, I just recognized that. I thought, wow, I have never put those two things together before. I just, I, I just hadn't done that. And had I been suppressing it all the time out of avoidance, out of sight, out of mind kind of thing? Or is God protecting me from it? I don't know. But I do know this. I knew in that moment as I was praying for my uncle's family, as I was praying for my dad, and I was praying just for God's kingdom to come to this whole situation, and that in that moment, it was like the Holy Spirit just brought this up. And I, and I, I did. I, I followed Paul's words, and I took that anxiety to God, and I asked him, to bring healing, to bring peace uh, to just anything inside of me that was residual from that. And I say that to say this, I want to encourage you as we go through this series, and not just this series, but as we continue to live in a very anxious world, as we continue to navigate this, let us not think that it is anything noble to merely suppress the anxiety that comes our way, whether it's through incidents like this 
Or maybe it's through uh, the world that we live in and all of the turmoil that goes on with uh, just divisiveness, whether it's political or cultural. Uh, Let us be people who don't choose to see anxious for nothing as a means of suppressing it, but let us invite the Holy Spirit to show us our hearts, to show us our emotions, to go deep with us, because he does it in love, he does it in kindness, he does it in caring, and he wants us to be whole. He wants us to, to, be, to have truth in our inmost parts and healing and wholeness in our inmost parts. Don't pretend it's not there. Okay, whether it's something that's said in a sermon or something you hear on the news or a post that you see uh, from, from someone that you disagree with strongly regarding cultural or political things, take it before the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit to shine his love and his light on it. Take it to God in prayer. And as Roger shared with us last week, we take it to God in prayer. And I want to elaborate on that by taking the next phrase that Paul talks about. We want to take it to God in prayer with thanksgiving. Prayer with thanksgiving this morning is what we're going to be looking at. Invite the Holy Spirit to to reveal to you what's really going on. Give him your cares, your worries, with thanksgiving and gratitude in worship, so the eventual end that we can experience his peace. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We ask that you would increase your presence in this place and in the hearts and the lives of everyone who's joining us online, who will be listening to this message later on. Come, Holy Spirit, do your deep work in our hearts, in our spirits. God, you are good, you are kind, you are caring, you are love. And we thank you that you do not call us to deal with anxiety on our own, but that you, Emmanuel, you're with us and you're leading us, you're protecting us, you are healing us. And we say yes to you and all the wonderful, good, rich things of your kingdom. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, I want to read the whole passage that we're taking this message series from. Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I want to just begin this morning by stating what should be obvious, but I don't want to just assume that, so I'm not going to assume that. But when we are overwhelmed with worry, this this particular truth can get lost in the flurry of of circumstance and anxiety and, and the cares of this world. Uh, and the the deluge of heightened emotions that come with all of that. 
The instruction to not be anxious is ultimately this. It is ultimately an invitation to relationship with God through Jesus Christ that is nurtured in, with prayer and thanksgiving, okay? That's, that's ultimately what this is. Because I, I want to say that you can go after the best uh, treatments, you can go after the best self-help, you can read the very best books on this, and if Jesus Christ, a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ is not part of the equation, you will never know the peace you are hungering and searching for. That's, that's the reality, okay? That is the reality. Jesus, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit in us daily, freeing us, giving us life to the full. That is ultimately, this is what we're calling. Uh, well, this is what we're called to. This is what this is ultimately all about. And the ultimate cure for worry and anxiety is found only, only in Jesus. And if you don't know him, you can have a personal relationship with him. God, as Mary Margaret said earlier, God so loved the world that he gave his son. And, and our responsibility is not to live up to some standard to earn his love, but to simply receive his love. And you can do that through repentance and trusting in Jesus Christ. Uh, again, all kinds of great resources that God loves to use as part of, of our healing. But at the end of the day, if Jesus isn't part of the equation, it will not last. It will not bring the peace and the wholeness that we all were wired to hunger for and to search for uh, through, with our whole lives. This passage in Philippians is, is one of many from Scripture where God invites us to transfer all of our worries and our cares and our anxieties to his capable hands. How do we do that? Uh, again, if you didn't hear last week's message, I would encourage you to, to, to listen to it. We, we, take, uh, we take it to God in prayer. We don't deny it. Uh, we don't avoid it. In every situation where we experience anxiety or trouble or worry, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we come to the Father in Jesus' name and we present whatever it is that worries us or concerns us or triggers us. And, and, and we present these things in prayer with thanksgiving. God did not create us to carry uh, the burdens of anxiety and worry. He didn't, he didn't uh, create us for that. And Satan, our enemy, knows this. And this is why he loves to try and weigh us down with all kinds of worries and cares. And guys, just as God has a beautiful and wonderful plan for our life uh, to give us abundant life, life to the full, Satan, our enemy, also has his plan for our lives. He does. And that's to kill and to steal from us and to ultimately uh, lead us into eternal death. And so it's important that we recognize this. Now, I'll also say this, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, um, Satan, you know, he, he doesn't want me following Jesus. He doesn't want you following Jesus. But I am a follower of Jesus, and many of you, most of you are followers of Jesus, and that is a good thing. Uh, unfortunately for us, that does not mean that Satan is done trying to mess with us, right? He has a plan B. He has a plan B. Now, it does not affect our eternal relationship with God, but boy, it can screw things up here on earth, can it? 
It can distract us. It can, it can, can take us in all kinds of different directions. It can give us sleepless nights. It can help us miss the things that God has for us, his very best. Because the word that Paul is using in this passage uh, for anxiety, don't be anxious, it speaks of, of having a double mind, a divided mind. One that is not focused, but one that is like trying to take it all in, but, but there is no focus, there is no uh, there is no pinpoint action. It divides us. It separates us. It separates our thoughts. It's like you're trying to have a conversation with someone who's watching a television show and they're more interested in the television show than your conversation. Have you ever had that happen? I'm sure you haven't, but uh, I have a friend. Yeah, I have a friend. It's like that constant background noise that's playing, distracting you. So it keeps you from the focus, the main Thing that God is calling you to focus your attention on, that, dis- that, that worry, that, that anxiety resulting in a divided mind. We need to understand that anxiety is all part of Satan's plan to distract us, but also to neutralize us as effective followers of Jesus. Um, and it does that. I, 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 I will admit, I have seen the enemy use that very effectively in my life. And I, I, I repent of that, and I, 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 I don't like that. And I pray, for, I asked people this past week even, uh, I need you to pray for me to not be distracted. Uh, there are things that come up in all of our lives that distract us. That's part of the enemy's plan, and I, I'm asked, I, God, I need focus. I need you, Holy Spirit, to help me to focus so to, to be anxious or to be worried is to have a divided mind. And Paul's writing, do not be anxious about anything. Don't, don't, don't be distracted by these things. But in every situation, when you find yourself with a divided or distracted mind, take it to God in prayer in every situation, prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Talking to him about everything that distracts you, that troubles you, that keeps you up at night, God inviting us to cast all our cares on him. He invites us to trust him because he loves us and he's for us. And what he does not invite us to do, that quite often I'm guilty of and probably you might be as well, is tell him how he should answer our prayer. You ever done that? Once or twice. Now, I am all for praying for specifics. I'm all for praying for specifics. Uh, This is not about not praying for specifics, but it is that thing of God, um, I'm going to cast my cares upon you because you care for me, but I'm not sure that you know exactly the best way to do this. I'm going to tell you what would be the best way for you to answer this prayer. And if you don't answer this prayer exactly this way, then you will have failed me. I know we don't articulate that out loud verbally, do we? But how many of us have that mindset? How many times have we thought in that fashion, in that way, in our our own minds? And, And so when we cast our cares on him, it is like we have been lugging around a 50 pound bag of dry cement. And we 
just, it's not one of these things where we just slowly come down and just lower it. No, if you've ever had a 50-pound bag of cement on your back, you just flop it off. And that's what God is calling us to do with the cares and the anxieties. Yeah, we can say, God, I would really love it if you would give me this job. But God, I know that this job, no matter how good it is, is not my source. You are my source. You are my provider. And God, I trust you to bring along the very best job for me in this situation and in the circumstances. I trust you to do that. I, I thank you for your faithfulness in doing that. We simply trust him. It's, we bring him our prayers and petitions with thanksgiving. And with thanksgiving, we are better able to recognize God's good and loving care for us so that we can, so that we can trust him more. That's what Thanksgiving is all about. Uh, Thanksgiving is like a shovel that begins to work in our hearts, digging up doubts that are there in our hearts, some that we're fully aware of, some that maybe we don't know, we're, we're not really conscious of, but doubts that are there and they are impairing our ability to trust God and, and his goodness. With Thanksgiving, we're also able to welcome a different perspective than the perspective we have when we are overwhelmed by anxieties and worries and the cares of this world. Uh, uh, one that's focused on the goodness and the greatness of our God rather than a perspective that's dominated by, by circumstances that would seek to distract us and defeat us and discourage us. Again, this is not a call to live in denial or to live in some sort of unrealistic world. But thanksgiving enables God's truths to fill our minds uh, and, and, and our hearts and for God's word to have the last word regarding any situation that we might find ourselves in. As you are facing injustice in some area of your life, know this. I can, I can promise you this based on the God that we serve, that he is a God of justice and everything in the end will be set right because of him. This is true. We can trust in this. Now, we may see injustice all around us. We may be encountering injustice ourselves in the midst of this. But we can know and we can rest assured that our God is a God of justice. And his justice will come. We can trust in that, we can know that, and we can hang our hats on that. You know, this instruction uh, to not be anxious, it's ultimately an invitation to a worship relationship with God, again, nurtured in prayer with thanksgiving. In, in his book, and I referred to this uh, back during our series on the Lord's Prayer, uh, Richard Foster's book called Prayer, one of my favorites, he writes about the prayer of adoration, Prayer of adoration, which is a beautiful part of our worship where we ex are expressing our love and our adoration to God. And he says this, he says it's this wonderful, beautifully uh, weaved uh, thing of praise and thanksgiving where they come together that are praise to God, praising him for who he is, 
uh, for his worthiness, that we praise him and we thank him. We bring thanksgiving based on giving him glory for what he has done, that there's this beautiful weaving that takes place. They're not two separate entities, but they flow together. And so many of the Psalms uh, bring these beautiful parts of praise and thanksgiving to combine for adoration together. One such example is Psalm 6930 where the psalmist says, I will praise the name of God with a song, and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Is it possible for us to make God greater than he is? No, but it is possible for us to welcome the greatness of who God is to be greater in our own hearts, in our own minds, in our own lives. And that is what worship, what happens when we worship God. We welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. We invite God to be greater uh, in our minds, in our hearts, in our situations, his kingdom to come. With thanksgiving, we welcome God to become greater in our lives. And this is why worship is the crowning achievement of our lives, our highest priority. We worship him because he is worthy of worship. But we're going to do that in just a few minutes. And I just encourage you, to cast your cares, just to lay them at God's feet and just just join with the songs that we're singing of praise and thanksgiving that, that our perspective would be taken up to see the greatness of our God. Because too often we are stuck down here and God is inviting us. He wants to be the lifter of our heads that we would gaze into his beauty, into his love, his power, his majesty. You know, this Philippians passage is not the only time that, that Paul talks about praying with thanksgiving. There are a number of times where this happens. Let me, let me give you a few of these. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul writes, continue uh, steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. How many of us know that thanksgiving requires intentionality, doesn't it? It requires a high level of intentionality. Some of us are more predisposed to being grateful and thankful people. You know those people in your life. They're they're just, you know, they're the first to get the thank you note out. They're they're sending the thank you text. And they just emote gratitude. Uh, That's not all of us, unfortunately, right? But that doesn't, we're not off the hook. We're not off the hook for that. Uh, And I would also say this, and we're going to spend more time on the subject of gratitude and Thanksgiving in the month of July, sort of a a Thanksgiving in July kind of thing uh, that we're going to do. But it requires us to to just be intentional about it, uh, to, to be watchful, to look for opportunities to give thanks, to celebrate uh, what God's doing, but also to celebrate people. Paul did that a lot in his letters. He gave thanks not just to God, he gave thanks to God for people, and then he thanked them as well. So this is ultimately about us thanking God and living in gratitude with God. But guys, how many of us know this is going to spill over into every other part of our lives, right? It should. It's supposed to. Uh, And it is, it's about us praying diligently, staying alert with our eyes wide open in gratitude is really what this is all about. Actively looking for opportunities to express gratitude and thanksgiving to God and to others. And I want to finish up by giving you four ways to do that. These are going to be quick, so don't freak out, all right? 
four ways. He's going to give 20 minutes to each one. But yeah. Do this. Begin. Let's just begin with the basics. Begin with the basic yet most profound truth in all of Scripture. God so loved the world that he gave his only son for you and for me. Let's begin with that. Let's begin with that. I don't care how bad your day is going. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have received the gift of salvation, that's a lot to celebrate, isn't it? It is a lot to give thanks for. It is everything, okay? It's everything. And so it's important that we know that. I love the old vineyard worship song, Lover of My Soul. And the line that I love in it is, the cross of Christ is proof enough you are good and you're the lover of my soul. Yes, you are the lover of my soul. So we begin by thanking God for Jesus, his ultimate gift to us. And then we can also recount God's goodness that you've experienced in the past. I mean, just think about it. What have you experienced of God's goodness in the past? How often do you think about it? So often we're just, God, what have you done for me lately? What have you done for me today? What's going on right now? What have you done for me right here, right now? And, And I would encourage you, I love the words from Lamentations, yet this will I call to mind and therefore will I hope because of the Lord's great love I've been redeemed. It is about looking back and being willing to look back Uh, at the times that God protected you, at the times God provided for you, that time when you were by yourself and you felt so incredibly alone and the presence of God came like a warm blanket and enfolded you and you felt the tangible presence of God. Recount God's goodness that you have experienced in the past. Be mindful of it. Reflect on it regularly, just like the the stones that the the children of Israel would erect as as altars of remembrance for God's goodness and the deeds that he has done. Let us do that in in our own way that would be uh, something that we could go back and revisit on, on regular occurrences. Do it with your families. It is important for your children to know the goodness of God and how it has been manifest and expressed uh, in your immediate family. Do that. Make sure your kids know. Celebrate that. Share that. Recall that. Thank God for his blessings that you're currently experiencing. Guys, God's doing good stuff. Sometimes we're so distracted by this anxiety that we miss out the amazing thing that God is doing right here. And he's calling us to just be mindful, not to be so focused, not so distracted on this, that we miss the beautiful and wonderful things that he is doing. So be mindful of that. Uh, Maybe, I would encourage you, make it an exercise, Maybe make it a spiritual habit as, as you're going to sleep at night. Just think back on the day and reflect on how God showed up with goodness and love and kindness and caring throughout your day. And before you fall asleep, just give him thanks for that. Or maybe you're a person who likes to journal. Uh, make sure that you are count- making note of these things, that you are, are writing them down, that you are mindful of them. And I would also say this, thank God for his goodness in the lives of others, okay? Okay. That's why community is so important. 
That is why it is so important for us to be in Christ-centered community, because sometimes, just quite honestly, you know, I'm just so overwhelmed with my own stuff that I need the celebration story of how, of how God has brought healing to my friend or how he has saved my, my, uh, this couple's marriage or how he's provided this miraculous job for this other person. I need to celebrate that and I want to join in in celebrating that. And that's why we are called to be completely dependent on God but interdependent on one another. And this is a phenomenal part of bearing one another's burdens but also getting to celebrate one another's joys. And that's why community and connectedness is so important that we get to do that as a church family. And I'm gonna leave you with, with two other passages of scripture where Paul is reminding us to pray with thanksgiving. Worship team, if you guys wanna make your way up, you can go ahead and come up. Um, it's this. I wanna leave, uh, leave you with two. First one is in 1 Timothy 2. Paul writes to his protege, Timothy, he says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Basically, he's saying, any way you know how to pray, pray, okay? But he includes thanksgivings in that. And then he goes on to say this. He says, I want you to do all of this, use all these prayers for kings and all those in authority. Why? that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Let me just say this to relate to maybe our political age and Paul's political age. Paul's candidate was not in office, all right? <laughs> Let me just say that again. When Paul is sitting in a jail cell writing these words of encouragement to the, the church at Philippi, Paul's guy, Paul's candidate, was not in office. And yet he is calling uh, the church to, to pray. He's calling Timothy to pray. And we must pray for those who are in authority over us, whether we voted for them or not. That is not the criteria, guys. And we wonder why our country is in so much upheaval. We wonder why. When we don't pray, we spend so much more time complaining about the person who's in office that we didn't vote for and vice versa. It goes both ways. And God's word's really clear. He calls us not to allow the cynicism of the world to negate the truth and the reality of God's words that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Do you want that? It's there. He's offering it to us. He's calling us, but it requires us to pray in every way we know how for those who are in authority, whether we voted for them or not. And I encourage you and I implore you, please keep that in mind as we go through this, this constant election cycle. Keep that in mind. God's word is true. God's word will prevail. And I leave you with this. How many of you want to know God's will for your life? I want to know God's will for my life. Here's one of, the, one of the expressions of it. I'll leave you with this. Rejoice always. 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's not profound, guys. It's not. It's truth. 
It is truth that will carry us. It is truth that God looks forward to, to just manifesting in our midst, in our world, in our lives, because it is the will of God that we would all be in relationship with him and experience his presence, his goodness, his peace in every day, in every part of our lives. Would you stand with me this morning? Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are eternal, that you are good, that you are loving, that you are kind. We thank you that you call us this morning to cast our cares on you, to bring our petitions to you, and to bring them with thanksgiving, God. You are worthy of our praise because of who you are, and you are worthy of our thanksgiving because of all that you have done. Holy Spirit, we invite you, we welcome you to come. Even as we, as we sing these songs, I pray that you would bring to mind specific uh, instances, maybe that happened just this week or, or happened many, many years ago or happened in the life of, of, of someone that we love and care for. But Lord, also, as we, as we come to worship you and maybe some of us receive communion, Lord, we ultimately thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Father, for your love. Jesus, we thank you for your willingness to come to earth, to show us how to live, to die in our place. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence with us. Come, Holy Spirit, receive the worship of our hearts and lead us in this worship in Jesus' name.